You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. One of the things I love about our church is that we are a people who are aware of our mission. We know that we are not to be simply a country club that people come and just like to hang out. Although we do like to hang out together, but it's not our goal that we are sort of give off this country club feel. We know that we're not supposed to just simply be a place where people come to just get entertained. Let's play my music. Let's do this song. Let's just sort of wow people with what's on stage. That's not what we're about. We have come to believe that we are made for more than all of that. I love that about our church. We have been growing this church. You know where we've come from. But just in the last year, what God's doing here and what He's teaching us and that, that we are made for more, that we are made to connect with others on purpose, for a purpose, with purpose. That we are called together. We are convinced that we have a mission that we are to work hard toward. The mission of our church is this, to cultivate a community a biblical faith to cultivate a community of eternal hope and radical love. I'm going to say it again. Our mission of our church is to cultivate a community of biblical faith, of radical love, and eternal hope. This month we are spending this time together to think on these things. As we launch into the summer, as we go on vacations, as we do all the things that are a little different than we do normal, normally during the year, we're using this month to sort of reignite what we're supposed to be doing as a church body. And so last week, we began looking at the first part of the mission, and we looked at the calling to cultivate a community of biblical faith. And today, we're going to continue that topic, cultivating a community of biblical faith. Last week, we looked at this text in John chapter 20, where John described the scene where the disciples had all come together. Well, the disciples minus Judas, who was no longer a part, and also minus Thomas, who for some reason was somewhere else. And they saw Jesus, and because they saw Jesus, they believed. And then Thomas joined the party a little late, and he says, I don't believe and I won't believe until I see and we talked about how we all sort of are skeptics and we have these seasons of doubt and how we, we need a community together where we can all talk about and testify about who Christ is and what we've experienced. And we were reminded as, G, as we ended last week, Jesus' encouragement, but also his rebuke. In verse 29 of chapter 20, Jesus said to them, Because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And then we move into these next two verses today. And we read John 20, verses 30 and 31, and I love that John sort of summarizes and makes clear why the gospel of John was written in the first place. That everyone else who would read the testimony of John in this book most likely have never seen Jesus. They didn't see his miracles. They didn't touch his body. They weren't like the, the apostles that could see it in the room. I can't present to you the physical body of Jesus today. So what we have are the testimonies. We have these words 
to learn about Jesus, to know about Jesus. These words to discuss in community with each other. And John says in this text, these are written, these are written so that you, so that we, those of us who haven't seen Jesus, would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. If you're one of those who still doubt, maybe still a skeptic of this whole Christian thing, and, and you hear the mission statement and you think uh, it, it just comes across the, the, to cultivate a community of biblical faith, it just sounds like something you might want to distrust. It sounds manipulative. Oh, wait, I just come into this room and they're telling me that their mission is to sort of cultivate this community of biblical faith. If you're one of those that are here this morning like that, I just want to ask you to consider something else as you consider that. This world, this culture that we all live in, have been cultivating a community of unbelief your whole life. Since the day we were born, we're brought up in a culture that's been cultivating in us not to believe in God, not to believe in Jesus. And we believe as a church, it's our mission to help people transition from a culture of unbelief to a culture of yes, belief. Yes, we believe in it. And that's why we believe we are called to cultivate this so that by reading the Word of God, by knowing the Word of God, we might have what I see in this text, a saving faith and a living faith. That's what we see here when we see this text. They're written so that we would believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That is to say, John's saying that Jesus gives to us a saving faith and that by believing we may also have a living faith, that we may have life in his name this is our mission and what i want to do today is something rare we don't always do this so if you're a guest with us today i I don't want you to be overwhelmed usually we have screens and we have scripture on the screens we're going to look at so much scripture today that i didn't want to burn the computer up okay and so here's what i want to ask you to do we're going to go back and we're going to pick out the highlights in the book of john that would cause him to say what he just said make sense John says these are all written, so do you believe? So what is written? What's in the book of John that causes a saving faith, that leads to life and and a living faith? And that's what we're going to do. So I want to ask you, if you have your copy of Scripture, we're going to go all the way back to John chapter 1. If you don't have a copy of Scripture and you use it on your phone, just pull up the app, use it, just avoid the distractions that pop up also. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, you don't have a tablet or phone, right in front of you is a a copy of Scripture in the the pew in front of you. I want to encourage you to take that out, turn to page 941 in that Bible, and you'll find the first page of John there. If you don't have a Bible at all, then take that with you. Take it home. That's our gift to you so that you can know the words written and believe it. That is our gift to you. You don't even have to ask. Just take it, okay? So here we are as we look at what John means about believing toward a saving faith. 
we believe that John writes this and he says in John chapter 1 these words that encourage us to believe. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God, he, referring to Jesus, he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. We're going to get back to this light part later. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. We see in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, referring to Jesus. We observed His glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Skip to verse 16. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from His fullness. And so, and, and now picture you're a Hebrew and you put all of your stock in what is the, the coming Christ, the coming Messiah, and then you see these words in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is at the Father's side He has revealed him. So when John says in John chapter 20 that these are written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, he is saving. These are written so that you would have a saving faith, that you would trust in who this Jesus is. We move on to the famous text in John chapter 3. Just turn the pages a few pages over and we see John chapter 3 verse 14. Again, John goes there again. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. You might, have, might be familiar with the next verse. For God loved the world in this way that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life for God God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him again John saying to all of those who haven't seen Jesus those of us who haven't seen the scars been able to fill the wound in the side he's saying to them these are written so that you would believe who Jesus is Turn the page again to John chapter 5. Again, we see more testimony here. Listen to this. John is is really wanting the hearers and the readers to understand that Jesus is part of the Father, that He is part, He is truly the Son of God, and He is also our Savior. Look with me in verse 19. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on His own, but only what He sees the Father doing. It's a good passage for Father's Day. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He is doing, and He will show Him great, greater works than these so that you will be amazed. 
This is Jesus saying, you're about to see even greater things than you've ever seen so that you will be amazed. We could translate that in so that you would even believe even more. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom He wants. The Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son so that all people may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. There's a, a linking there in all of John's testimony of Jesus to God the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. That is a weighty passage for those Hebrew readers, those Jewish people who did not want to believe Jesus. In the verse 24, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. So again, what is John doing here? He's writing to spur us to believe. He's writing to cultivate a culture and testimonies and people of a biblical faith linking Jesus to the Father, linking Him to the way to be saved. And then we come, turn the page again. We're just going to keep going. John chapter 6, verse 35. This is Jesus. And He says this, I am... The bread of life. I love this passage because this passage is one that I've shared with skeptics and people who doubt, people who want to believe, but they don't really know what they believe. Really what they're saying is, I'm hungry for truth. I'm hungry and I'm thirsting for something that can satisfy this doubt that I have. Well, here's what Jesus says. I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one comes, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me and you, yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given to me, but should raise them up on the last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. John again, recording the words of Jesus to cultivate communities of biblical faith, to plant seeds of faith and belief in who Jesus is so that by believing these words, they would have eternal life. This is what we want to be about as a church, cultivating communities of this kind of faith where these are the things we celebrate and we testify that this is a saving faith. These words are written to bring a saving faith about. But these words are also written so that we would also have this living faith. It's not just that we believe and have eternal life, but it's how we then live and how we ought to keep going and how we are to be preserved. And that's what John says in our main text, that they are written that we would believe Jesus the Messiah and that by believing we may have life in His name. What do we mean by that? Well, let's keep looking. 
John chapter 8. Man, I didn't know we were taking a survey course here on Sunday morning. It's Father's Day. Just give me my candy bar. Let's go. Okay, you're going to get that, I promise, but hopefully we're eating something better here. John chapter 8, verse 12, we see Jesus says this to them. And I want you to picture with me what it feels like. Remember that time where you doubted. Remember that time you were the skeptic and you just didn't want to trust. There's been just too many people break your heart. Too many televangelists lie to you. Too many tricks in your life. And you just, you're just, you know there's something there, but you don't want Listen to the words of Christ. Picture the feeling you had when you were in that moment of darkness and gray area. Jesus spoke to them in verse 12, chapter 8. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. When we believe this word, when we have a biblical faith, it's not just a saving faith. It's a faith that lights up our life, shows us how to walk, where to walk, it pushes out the darkness in our life. This trust in Jesus as the Messiah leads us to follow him out of the dark world of pessimism and skepticism and doubt into the lit up world of truth in our life. Jesus says, I am the light. You can almost hear him saying, are you tired of doubting? Are you tired of always being bitter and critical? Are you tired of just living in confusion? Believe in me. Live in the light. Let truth come. Living in the light leads to living in freedom. Look with me in verse 30 of the same chapter. John says, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples, verse 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's it's living in the light. It's living in complete freedom. We eventually come to another famous text in John chapter 14. So turn a few pages with me. And Jesus told them in verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So picture with me John saying at chapter 20, verse 31, these are written so that you would believe what Jesus said. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And that by believing these things, you will have life in His name. To finish what Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him 
and have seen him. Jesus is the representation of God. He came for the skeptics. He came for the doubters. He came for those who were irreligious. He came for those who were His so that He could give them the light, give them the truth, and bring freedom into our lives. It's almost like Jesus wants to say to all of us through the Apostle John, don't you get it? Blessed are those who have not seen me, but see me by believing in me. Hearing the testimonies. That is a biblical faith. John closes his book out with what Sam read earlier. It's, it's like, as if there wasn't enough. I mean, John just says, I've just given you all these testimonies. I've given you all these samples. I've given you all these examples, what Jesus said, what he did, so that you would believe, so that you'd walk in his life. And then it's almost like you can almost hear his frustration here, in the, but also the joy in it, verse 25, at the very end of the book. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Church, our mission is that we would cultivate communities that are sharing the unwritten things as we base our faith on the written things that we are giving testimony. Here's what God's done in my life. Here's what He's doing in my life. Yeah, well, well, that's not in the book of Mark. Well, yeah, my faith is based on the book of Mark, book of John, book of Matthew, but here's what He's doing in my life today. This is the continuation of all the books that couldn't be written. All coming from what is truth in the Bible. These are written so that we can have a saving faith, a, a living faith, that we would cultivate a community, a biblical faith. And as the one who saves and leads us, we know that we are guided and guarded by a shepherd. I didn't even read to you my favorite chapter in the whole book in John chapter 10. Maybe that's something you can go meditate on this week and think of the good shepherd who's walking us in from skepticism into truth that's protecting us and holding us. So as a church, we cannot offer you what Jesus offered to Thomas. I cannot say to you, hey, our special guest today coming through the door is Jesus. I want everybody to line up and feel his body. We can extend the invitation to receive a real blessing from God. Blessed are those who believe even without seeing. Just like me, I invite you to join the church on this quest to help one another grow in a biblical faith, to carry this on, to cultivate it in your family, to cultivate it with your children, to cultivate it with your neighbors. If you're struggling and if you're tired of trying, of still doubting and, and going back and forth and you just wish you could just finally get anchored down, I just want to close, and this will freak a lot of you out right now, with five things real quick. 
that you can walk out of here and do. Some of you, and, and I get this, you just need something to hang your hat on. What is, what is it I do? Real quickly, if you're tired of struggling, here's this. Ask yourself, do I believe what is written? Do I believe this? Do I believe what is written? If you approach the Bible without believing what is written, you're not going to fully understand what is written. So I, every day I have my quiet time, I have to come to the Bible and I have to ask God, God, I want to say to you right now, I believe what you say here. Help me to understand it, which is the next thing. Do I believe what is written? Number two, do I know what is written? You're like, Jason, of course I don't know everything that's written in the Bible. Well, that's why we have community groups. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why you have pastors and elders to help teach you and equip you in the Bible. So ask yourself, do I believe what is written? Do I know what is written? Thirdly, do I live what is written? It is not any desire of John's or of Christ, or of this pastor to fill you up with a bunch of head knowledge and no living out the gospel. Do I believe it? Do I know it? Am I living it? And fourth, I told you five, there's only four. Do I share what is written? I promise you, if you just make a commitment this day, fathers, Dads, soon-to-be dads, that you are going this year to share the Bible more than you did last year. In whatever way. That you're going to share it. You're going to give it. You're going to write it on cards to people. You're going to email it out to people. You're going to tweet it. You're going to do whatever you got to do to get the message of the gospel out to people. I promise you, the more you share it, the more you're going to live it. The more you're going to know it, and the more you're going to joyfully, Sunday after Sunday, come here and sing that you believe it. Do I believe it? Do I know it? Do I live it? Do I share it? This is just one of our simple missions at Grace Toledo. We want to cultivate a community of biblical faith, a community that in every group, every Bible study, and everything that we do, believes what is written, knows what is written, lives out what is written, and without apology and in love shares what is written. I want to encourage you to think hard about this mission in your own life this summer. Will you join us in this? Will you be a part of this in our mission? Members of Grace, are you doing all that you can to cultivate a biblical community in your life and in your family. Let's pray. As we pray and we're going to sing and we're going to end our time rejoicing in song today, I want us to celebrate the risen Christ. Sometimes it helps us to believe and to know and to live and to share when we sing out loud what Christ has done, what he paid for. That's why we sing the songs we sing. So right now, as we begin, and as I begin to, and I just pray for us, I pray that you would join me in praying this prayer for you and your family. Oh God, 
Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for giving me people in my life that have taught me what Jesus did for me. Thank you for the Sunday school teachers when I was little. Thank you for the choir teachers that made me learn songs I didn't really want to learn at the time. Thank you for my discipleship group. Thank you for my for my mom and my dad always cultivating a biblical community everywhere I went Lord you put me there and I just pray that every person that's here would see the opportunity to be grounded in a biblical faith that they would know it believe it live it share it Oh God, be glorified by the songs that we're about to sing. Be exalted in the lives that we're about to live. Thank you, in Jesus' name.